So we are continuing a series that we started uh, last week as we're looking at the life of Joseph. And again, this is the Old Testament Joseph. His story is found in the latter chapters of Genesis. Um, This is not the Joseph that's in the New Testament that is the the earthly father of Jesus. This is, again, is the Old Testament Joseph. And we we jumped into his story last week uh, in Genesis uh, 37, and that's where we're first introduced to Joseph and to his story. Um, But the leading up to Joseph is we see this, uh, again, God's um, anointing on on Abraham and on his family and where he's going to be the the father of many nations and kind of God's chosen people. And we see um, this common phrase, right, of these fathers and sons of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And again, these are three generations of fathers and sons. Um, And then we end up with Jacob's kids, and that's where we find Joseph. But Jacob has 12 sons. I mean, we, we saw last week that this is an interesting family dynamic within uh, Jacob's family and these 12 brothers. Um, this is a blended family situation. Out of these, these 12 brothers, there are four different moms. And again, we don't have time to go or go into all that cultural stuff, and that, but it's a blended family, right? And, and there's some interesting dynamics between all these brothers. They, and, and, and these brothers, again, uh, um, get along, I guess you could say, right? As we know, all siblings kind of get along, right? And these, ones, these brothers had some di- different things going on, and then Joseph has these dreams, right? And God gives him these dreams, and, and Joseph is excited to tell his brothers that in these dreams, all of them bow down to him, right? And, and Joseph is shocked when his brothers don't like it as much as Joseph did. And in the midst of the story, right, and as we looked last week, um, they, they, he ends up, they, they end up selling him into slavery, right, and, and his coat of many colors gets destroyed. They send it back to their dad and just blame it on an animal for killing him. And, and so, and then, um, again, we saw these character traits, right, of all the different people in the story and, and all this last week. And so last week was a message on what not to do. Right, well, this week, as we jump into the next phase of Joseph's story, found in Genesis 39, it's actually the opposite of that. Last week was what not to do. Today, we actually learn from Joseph and, and from his life and, and the, the choices he makes of, of what we should do. Right, just last week, we started with Romans 8.28 and just how we looked at there's a, this fine line between what God causes and what God uses, right, and how, how God used these different things within the dynamic of this family, um, as they did what we shouldn't do. And now, today, though, I want to start with this concept that's presented in James 4, verses 7 and 8, because this is a good summary of this phase of Joseph's life that we're going to look at today. James 4, verses 7 and 8 says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And then verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And he said, this passage is a really great summary of this phase of Joseph's life, of, of, of where he, he finds himself now in Egypt as a slave, and, and he's able to humble himself and draw close to God and, and resist temptations. And, and we see, again, that Joseph, as we will see, was very committed to God in his life. And yet we see here in this passage in James, and again, Jesus taught a similar concept um, in a lot of his teachings that, that our hearts cannot be divided, right? That we have to choose loyalty, either to, to God or it's to the world. And that's exactly what the passage tells us, right? And, and yet, uh, if, we, if we are 
divided, right, a house divided will fall. And as we see here, as Joseph finds himself in this situation, this, this really terrible situation, right, of, of, of one that, that he, he's victimized, right, that, that he, he finds himself in, as a slave here in Egypt, um, and, and yet he truly lives out this concept in his life. So let's jump into the story, and let's see this. So we're going to look at Genesis 39. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Genesis chapter 39. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats. You're welcome to use. Uh, you'll notice the page numbers are included there where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, we're glad that you're here with us. Um, you can look in your Bible as well, um, or just listen as I read it. But we're going to read the first uh, six verses here in Genesis 39. Where it says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did, and he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Right now, as we look at this this story, this this kind of phase of Joseph's life, as he's sold as a slave, he's bought by Potiphar, and and see where Potiphar gets you, right? This this is a pretty good place, I mean, where Potiphar finds himself, right? He has nothing to worry about except what's to eat. And again, it seems like, yeah, that that seems like a pretty good goal in life, right? No, but with that said, it's like the reason he gets there is because of Joseph, and, and that's what I want to focus on today. Is here Joseph finds himself, again, he's, he's been betrayed by his brothers, he's been sold into slavery, and he finds himself in Egypt, and, and then he, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Now, this is a very strategic time for Joseph, because he has a really important choice to make, right? Because we can all identify with him. He could sit there in this moment, right, and say, and look back on the past and just, and, and blame God and blame his brothers and, and blame the situation and, and just be really bitter and angry at the world. Right? And, then, and then push that anger onto God. And in fact, we do that a lot, don't we? We can all identify. We've been in those moments in life, right, when, when we feel beaten down and victimized, and feel like nothing's going our way, and we, we just feel like we want to blame and point fingers somewhere. And oftentimes, God's the one that, that shoulders that, isn't he? But yet, Joseph makes a very strategic choice. He makes a strategic choice to move forward instead of getting stuck in the past. Yeah, again, this is, a, this is a choice that Joseph makes, and it's a very strategic one. Now, as, as we look at this story, again, and this choice that Joseph makes, there's, there's a few things that jump out here. The first off is, is we look at, at, at this key verse in verse 2, which we just read, but let's look back at verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Now, I bring this verse back up because there are two very important choices that Joseph makes 
that we see in this verse. Okay, the first one um, is the phrase that says, the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, I encourage you to underline or circle that phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, circle that on your outline, and then kind of next to that, write Joseph's first choice. And you say that this, this, isn't, this isn't Joseph's choice at all. It says that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, and to say is, I think this, this does affect Joseph very much, because the reality is, if we are going to be close to God, okay, then we, have the, we have this bridge, right, of, of relationship between us and God, for God to be with us. Now, this bridge between us and God is a two-way bridge, right? That's the way relationships work. And so this implies that if the Lord was with Joseph, this implies that Joseph is going and pursuing God, right? Look back to the concept we looked at in James, right? He says, if you, if you come close to God, then God will come close to you, right? This is a two-way bridge, Right? This, this is a relational interaction right, between God and Joseph. And, and Joseph chooses God. And the result of him choosing God, right, instead of getting bitter about the past or blaming God for being victimized or put in this situation, the result of him choosing God is God is with Joseph. If we draw close to God, God will draw close to us. Right? It's a two-way relational bridge. Yes, God was with him, but it also means that Joseph chose God. Again, he could have blamed God for this mess. Right? I mean, literally, he, he literally could have blamed God. I mean, you can sit back and think about, well, man, if I was in that situation, like, it would be really tempting to be like, God, if you had not given me those dreams, none of this would have happened. Right? But that's not what he did. Right? He chose to draw close to God, and God was with him. Okay, that was the first important choice that Joseph made. Okay, the, the second one, okay, as later in the verse, I encourage you to underline, circle the phrase, he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Okay, he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Again, circle, underline that phrase, and next to that, write Joseph's second important choice. Okay, because this was a choice, again, that he made. Right, now, again, Joseph didn't choose this situation. Right? He, he didn't decide to be sold as a slave. He didn't pick Potiphar's house. Right? This, he didn't choose any of the situation he's in, but Joseph absolutely served or chose his attitude. Right? And again, the key word in this decision is he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Right, he chose right, to, to, to live into the role that had been put in front of him. Again, he could have been angry and bitter and done the bare minimum and, and just, just barely worked, right? And just, just, um, just did the, the, the bottom line, right? And just went through life with a terrible attitude. But that's not what he chose, is it? It says he served. Right, he served his master. Right, he did his job. Right, Joseph didn't choose this. Likely this is not his ideal role in life. However, he chose to bloom where he had been planted. He didn't choose it, right? And, and he's like, man, I really feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of dirt. Right? But he decided to serve. 
And he lived into where he was. And so because of these two important choices, right, that he chose to be with God and he chose to bloom where he was, he, that, it ultimately is the choice to move forward. He says, does this situation stink? Yes. Did I want this? No. But here I am. And so now I'm going to choose to move forward. This was a strategic choice. And again, we can learn from his choice. And because he makes the, these two important choices, right, Joseph thrived in his role. And he was quickly promoted. In fact, it tells us, right, the text tells us he ended up in charge of the entire household. Okay, again, got Potiphar to this place, right, where he didn't have to worry about anything, and all he had to do was worry about what his next meal would be like. Because he completely trusted Joseph, and God was blessing the household. We see, again, in verse 5, it says, From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household. Now, we see that, right, God's with him, right, through this. The interesting thing, right, we see the story, and that's all great, right, and we see the result of this blessing, right, that his household ran smoothly, okay, that his crops and his livestock flourish, and we see the results of that. But the interesting thing to me about this verse is why God blessed this household, right? What does it say? It says, the Lord began to bless part of his household for whose sake? Joseph's sake. Again, Potiphar just got lucky. Right? Potiphar is reaping the rewards of Joseph's choices right? and what God is doing in Joseph's life. The reason why this household thrived was for Joseph's sake. It wasn't for Potiphar's. Right? It wasn't for Egypt's. It was for Joseph's sake. And, and as we see the season in his life, Right, we learn right, that Joseph, being faithful in this season, was training him for God's bigger plan. Again, he was blessed right, for Joseph's sake. And again, we, we know the bigger plan. Right? In fact, we can continue to read through the story. In fact, so just spoiler alert for everyone. Okay, this is how Joseph's story ends. You probably already know where we're going in this. right? But, but jo- Joseph ends up running the entire nation of Egypt. Okay, and guess what happens when Joseph's in charge, or why he's even in charge? Okay, because there are seven years of prosperity right, for Egypt that ends up into seven years of famine. So Joseph's leadership is most important during these years of prosperity. Guess what happens for Egypt during these seven years of prosperity? All of the affairs run smoothly, and their crops and their livestock flourished. It's exactly what happened in Potiphar's house. The same thing, but guess what? Potiphar's house is on a much smaller scale, isn't it? Than what God is preparing Joseph to handle in the coming years. Again, God looked at at Joseph. He gave him those dreams, right? That's when the dreams come true. Again, spoiler alert, the dreams actually come true. But they do because God had given him that glimpse, but he's like, but Joseph, your character's not ready. You're not ready to do this. Right? There's a lot of growing you have to do before we get you to the place where you're ready to handle that. Right? And that's what's happening through this. God is training Joseph for his bigger plan. And, and yet he, again, is faithful in the season, right? And he receives the training. In fact, this is a concept that Jesus taught, reiterated in the teachings of, that he taught in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Right? Jesus taught this parable that says, if you are faithful with what you are given, you will be given more. 
And we see right here, Joseph is faithful with where he's at, right? And the household is blessed to be trained and to build his character for what is ahead. And, and you might be able to identify this. I'll tell you, I can identify with this concept myself. Okay, as I look back at my story and my journey with God and, and even my, my, um, my journey as a pastor, many of you know I spent most of my ministry career as a youth pastor before this. Okay, I did youth ministry for many, many, many years. And then after that, I, God moved me into an associate pastor role at the church I was serving at in Boise. Again, as I moved into that role, it, 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 I, got it, I was in meetings I'd never been in before, right, as a youth pastor. I was in, in, involved in decisions, right, with the church and the direction and those things and the top tier leadership of the church that I was not involved in as a youth worker. And six months into that role is when Oregon Trail came to me and said, we want you to think about being our next lead pastor. And six months after that is when I took over here at Oregon Trail. Now, in that moment, right, now, and through that year of journey, that, that time, in fact, that was a role that I was not gifted for, right, that I did not fit in. But yet, as I look back at that year, and it was exactly a year, I mean, to the day, it was a year, right? And yet, as I look back at that, I'm thankful for that year because it prepared me for what I needed to do here. Right? And it finished out, you know, God's training for me to be able to lead this church, training that I had not received as a youth worker and a youth pastor. They just say that we can all kind of like see this, right? In those moments when, when God shows up and, and he suddenly connects the dots and you're like, oh, that's what you were doing, God. That's what that conversation was about. That's what that situation was, right? And that's exactly what God is doing here for Joseph because God's plans are always bigger than we can see in the moment, God's plans for you are always bigger than you can see in the moment. God doesn't, he gives us glimpses just like he did Joseph. Sometimes he gives us glimpses, right, about where our life is going, right, just like he did with Joseph in the dreams. But he didn't show him all the steps in between, did he? Right? And God's plan for you is always bigger than you can see in the moment. God doesn't tell us always the entire plan. He just gives us the next step. And then we have to choose to thrive where we're at. Right? And we have to choose to continue to pursue God right? and, and to bloom where we've been planted in that season. How many of you here have ever played chess? Okay, I see a few hands. Okay, I'll tell you, there's, there's, I, I've played chess a few times. I'll tell you, I am not good at chess. Okay, if you've played chess, if you're even remotely good at chess, okay, you can could, you could capture my king probably pretty quickly. Okay, now, because what does it take to be a good chess player? Practice, absolutely. Okay, but it also takes strategy. Okay, to be a good chess player, you can't just be thinking about the move you're making. You have to be thinking three or four or five moves ahead. Okay, and thinking, well, if I do this, then they're going to do that, and then I get to do this, and then I get to move this guy over here, right? And then I get to set up this situation, right, for when I can become victorious. A, a good chess player is always thinking three, four, five moves ahead. Okay, and I will tell you, God is a really good chess player. He's always thinking three, four, five or more moves ahead in your life. But guess what? He usually only tells us the next one or two moves. Right? And we have to be faithful with wherever we are. And we've got to trust God's plan, right? And know that God's just moving chess pieces around in my life, and I trust him for what's next. 
and I'm faithful to what God tells me to do. Okay, as we see Joseph, right, in this moment, he was thriving where he was as God was training him for what was next. Hey, let's pick up his story here in Genesis 39. Picking back up where we left off, the second part of verse 6. Okay, where he says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work, and she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Now again, this feels like this kind of weird sideways turn in the story, doesn't it? Right? I mean, right now, everything is going great for Joseph, right? He's being faithful, he's making the right choices, he's drawing close to God, like all of these things, right? Everything is going great. And then he gets nailed, right, by Potiphar's wife. And this, this nagging temptation. Okay, and and this, this invitation, right, into this, this sinful choice. But again, notice, notice his motivation, Right? He says, he, he tells her, he's like, why he's not going to do it, right? It's not that, no, I, I don't like you, right? It's not that, 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 you know, any of that, right? He says, no, if I did it, it would be a sin against God. Again, we see again the choices that Joseph's making, right? He doesn't say, no, it would be bad for, for you or Potiphar or us, you know, like, there's a, there's a laundry list of reasons why this is a bad choice, right? And yet, his, his motivation for not doing it was because he didn't want to offend God. Right? And yet, the temptation just kept nagging at him, right? When, when everything else is going great. And the, the overall concept we see in this section of Joseph's story is that the, the time in your life when everything is going great is when you need to be the most alert and prepared for attacks from the enemy. Yeah, and this attack, right, it just, I mean, he, it hits Joseph. It's seemingly out of nowhere. Everything is going great. And yet he gets attacked with this, with this whole situation, this temptation. And notice she keeps nagging him, right? And so when temptation keeps nagging, how do we respond? Okay, when, when ten, that temptation, that situation, when it won't go away, how do we respond? Well, we learn from Joseph because he does everything right in this situation. Okay, the first thing that he does when, when it, 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 he's presented with this situation, with this temptation, is that he refuses. Right? And when, when temptation comes into our life, we need to refuse it. Again, this is the line in the sand, right? We, we draw a line and say, no, I am not doing that. Right? Because it's going to go against God, right? If, there's a whole bunch of other reasons, but that's the biggest one, right? Is I'm not going there. Okay, I'm going to refuse. Again, this is that moment, and you, we can think about all these different kind of sins in our lives, right? This is that moment when we're, when we're done, right? And our eyes are open and it says, no more. Right, I'm not doing it. 
right? You can think about whatever sin you, you struggle with. We all struggle with different sin, right? I mean, again, if it, like this one, right, is, is lust and, and adultery and sexuality, you know, sinful sexuality. Like if that's it, right? It's that moment when you're like, you say, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm not looking at porn anymore. I'm not going to do that, right? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue purity. I'm done. I refuse. Right? If, if you struggle, you know, with, with alcoholism, right? It's that, no, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm done. Right? If you struggle with gluttony, right? It's, it, that's in that moment where you're like, no, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going I'm to stop overeating. I'm going to stop doing that, right? It's, it's this time that we have to refuse. And we just draw the line and we say, I'm done with whatever sin is in my life. I'm going to refuse it. Right? And then the next thing that, that we learn, right, from Joseph is if it, because it, it keeps going, it keeps nagging, right? The next thing is we adjust our life to avoid the temptation. Like, what did Joseph do? It says he changed his schedule, right? He, he rearranged his work. He did everything he could to avoid this woman and keep himself out of the situation. Again, if, if you're struggling with lust or, or sexuality, right, that, that you adjust your life. You set up these boundaries in your life. You put a filter on your phone, right? You talk to your spouse or to a, uh, someone close to you to hold you accountable, right? You, you, you just you adjust your life, right, to avoid that temptation, if you're struggling with drinking, right, you go, you hang out at the coffee shop instead of the bar, right? If you're struggling with gluttony, you want to be more healthy, right, and not overweight, then you adjust, you know, what you buy at the grocery store, and, and you know, you, you keep the candy in the candy aisle instead of your cart, right? Like, like you, you adjust your life to, to stay out of the temptation, temptation situations, and if it continues to go, right, if it continues to escalate in your life, then we do what Joseph did. And the third thing we do is we fight and we squirm and we physically run. Right, and that's exactly what Joseph did, right? He says he, got, he did all these things and yet she still ended up where she isolated him and she, she grabbed him, right? And it says that he, he, he squirmed and he got out. And you know, the fact where, where she, she grabbed his cloak and he, he squirmed out of it and he literally ran out of the situation. And sometimes you need to physically run from temptation. Right, just remove yourself completely, <laughs> Right, where others, we, we see these things, and then we learn this, right? Joseph did everything right here. And, and the, again, this, these concepts, these things that Joseph did, we see this reiterated again in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. It says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, and when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. The power is God's, right? God is faithful, God is with us, God is giving us away, but we have to take the exit door, don't we? Right, that's the choice we have to make. Right, and that, again, that's exactly what Joseph did. Right, and yet, even though he made exactly the right choice, he did everything right in this moment, he's pursuing God, he's doing all these things, everything's going great, and it comes in that, um, it still goes wrong for Joseph. Okay, verses 13 through 20, and, and I'm just going to summarize them for you, okay, but in 13 through 20, right, is she wrongfully accuses Joseph, she takes his cloak, she changes, flips the story, right, to make Joseph look bad and her look righteous, which was exactly the opposite of the reality, right, she flips it, she wrongfully accuses, she goes to Potiphar, Potiphar believes her 100%, doesn't, doesn't even talk to Joseph, and Joseph gets punished, right, he gets thrown into prison, 
And, and so here we are, then we pick up the story after all this happens in verse 21. We're going to read verses 21 through 23. Okay, Genesis 39, picking up at verse 21. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And, and the Lord made Joseph a, a favorite with the prison warden. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now again, we read this, right? And, and we think, wait a minute, I've read this before. Right? This, this sounds familiar. <laughs> right? I, I mean, absolutely, it is, because here we have round two in Joseph's life, right? And he makes the same choices he made in Potiphar's house, right? But he's taken out of that situation, right, uh, wrongfully so, and he's put into prison. And we see that even after being accused, wrongfully accused and punished, Joseph didn't lose his focus on God. Again, he, he had a whole other round to make all the wrong choices, and yet he didn't. Right? I mean, this is, this is even worse, right, than what his brothers did to him. I mean, now he's wrongfully accused, and he's wrongfully punished. And here we go with round two. And, and, but Joseph made the same choices, and again, we see the same results. Again, what, what's the same result? We see in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. As we go through round two, right, we, we, we see the story repeating itself in Joseph's life, but we cannot ignore the common denominator. Right? And I encourage you, if you see things repeating in your life, go back and look at the common denominator. Right? And the common denominator here is Joseph and his commitment to God and God blessing him wherever he is. Different situation, same result. And God is continuing to move chess pieces around in Joseph's life and continuing to train him, continuing to build him up. Right? As we see the situation now even in the prison, right, it makes us kind of understand this concept that, that's taught all throughout Scripture right, about how we can look at it absolutely terrible situation and actually be happy about it. Okay, this is the exact concept that's given in 1 Peter verse 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, so be truly glad because there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine and is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Again, make, we can be glad when we go through these seasons in our life and in our journey, right? Because we know that God is faithful, that God loves me, right? And if I continue to make those choices, he's just moving chess pieces around in my life and setting me up for the, his ultimate plan. And when we do that, we know that as we do that, God is building my character through all of these situations and he's building yours too. And he's building your faith, and he's testing your faith, and he's strengthening your faith. And we see here, right, how important our faith is to God. That we learn that, right, that, that your faith journey is incredibly important to God. Your faith journey is incredibly important to God. 
more important than anything else we can imagine, even gold. <laughs> Your faith journey is incredibly important to God. And again, as we look at our faith journey, right, again, our vision for our church is join the journey. That is the vision, mission statement of our church. And the way you join the journey of faith is by receiving Christ as your Savior, by believing that he was the Messiah, that he lived us in this life, that he died on the cross, that he rose again on the third day, everything that we celebrated in communion today, everything we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday, right, and through Holy Week leading up to Easter, and we believe all of that, and we receive him and ask him into our life, and that's how we join the journey of faith, right? We confess our sin, we receive his grace and his mercy and his love, and we, we ask him into our life, right? That's when we're saved, that's when we're transformed, and we start this journey of faith. If you've never received Christ as your Savior today, I hope you will do that today. You can pray and ask him in your life. Because your faith journey is incredibly important to God. Hey, but once we join the journey of faith, that's when then this, this new faith journey starts. Right? And that's when God really starts his work and his power in your life. Right? When we make these same choices that Joseph made and we start moving forward in our faith. Right? With our vision statement of join the journey, we want you to join the journey, but then, then you need to be in the journey. Right? You need to be moving forward and, and moving through these different phases of your faith. And, and when we look at, at at our, our strategy as a church and how we help you move, right? There are these five phases of your faith journey. And are you growing through those? Are you moving forward? Are you becoming more like Christ tomorrow than you are today? Right? The first phase is to attend. The next one is to grow. And then you serve. And then you lead. And then you mentor. You become a disciple who helps make other disciples. Right? And on the left side of the wheel, as we look at that, right, we are consuming the things of God. And then the more that we grow and move in our faith journey, we get to where we start contributing to God's kingdom. And yet, then we start this ongoing cycle in our lives as we continue to grow in our faith and move forward in our journey to where we can, this consuming and contributing continues to happen in our lives. We continue to grow and are faithful in the season God puts us in, just like Joseph was as he's training us for his bigger purpose. Are you growing in your faith? Because your faith journey is incredibly important to God. And he has huge plans for you. But we have to continue to make these choices, the same choices that Joseph made. How is your faith journey going? Are you moving forward? I hope you are. Which brings me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. We have a choice to make with every temptation in life situation. Will we draw close to God or will we take it on ourselves? So what is your choice going to be? Are you going to choose God, right, and, and draw close to him because he will draw close to you? Right, will we move forward? Will you choose to receive Christ as your Savior for the first time? Again, I don't know where your journey's at, but I, I hope that you will take a step closer to Christ today. Lord God, we praise you today because you are the great I am. God, you are with us no matter what we face. And then, God, we thank you for growing us, Lord, for moving chess pieces around our life, God, for, for leading us through the next season, whether, however easy or tough that season might be. God, I pray that we will always choose you. God, that when we're faced with temptations and holding back our growth, that, that we, will, we will get our way out of them, Lord, we will run. And Lord, we will always run to you, God. And God, as we live out our faith, as we, as we shine your light out of this dark world. May you use us for your glory to build your faith. God, as we go this week, as we live out our faith, I pray for that you would continue to mold us, change us, transform us, be more like you tomorrow than we are today. 
and that we will help other people find that same journey. Lord, we love you, we praise you. Lord, we will walk with you every day this next week. And Lord, guide our steps. Lord, as we truly live out our faith every day. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name.